0: Your trusted source for news and analysis about Chicago White Sox prospects and player development, covering the Major League Baseball draft and international market, plus the action in Kanapolis, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and Charlotte. This is the Future Sox Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rankin and James Fox.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Sox Podcast. My name is Mike Rankin. I'm your host James Fox. Alongside us today's special guest, the Kanopolis Cannonballers broadcaster Dan Alodi, joining us. It's such a pleasure because I'll tell you this: covering the White Sox minor league system dating back to 2019 for myself personally, the Kanopolis Cannonballers in the early stages of my coverage have been kind of difficult to follow, mainly because there was, in my opinion, a lot of players who may had been overmatched at the level of competition. 18 year old experiencing professional baseball for the first time and thinking about the minor league reduction that Major League Baseball undertook and no short season great falls, it's tough for a lot of the players. But then fast forward to 2022 and 2023. The Cannapolis Cannonballers suddenly have a bunch of named prospects in the top 30 that are taking steps to the point where even some of these guys will be seeing in advanced day Winston-Salem very soon a lot of draft picks we want to talk about some top prospects we want to talk about nobody better to give us the insight than the one who's been watching these players day in and day out now Dan congratulations on 100 broadcasts for the Kannapolis Cannonballers that was achieved this season in May you're getting closer to 200 games That is was just a testament to you and your dedication to minor league baseball covering the Kannapolis Cannonballers that's a lot of broadcasts not only just home but you're on the road as well right
2: yeah, man. Uh, I've been in the uh, I've been in the organization now. This is my second season as full broadcaster of the Cannonballers, um, and I've been actually the first in a while to go out on the road. Uh, my predecessor uh, didn't go on the road at all; um, did just home games. So, uh, really kind of cool to go back out on the road and experience that. Uh, it's been quite a pleasure this season to to go out and give the fans uh, a look at the team, even when they're not at home. So. Uh, this, this squad is absolutely amazing. Uh, I really like a lot of what I've seen this year. It's a it's a really good team. Uh, and the organization as as a whole, even off the field has been fantastic. Uh, I'm really uh, feel very valued. And I, uh, I'm i glad to be a part of it.
1: You can follow Dan Alodi on Twitter at Dan underscore And I want to start right here. Uh, something you mentioned already just going on the road. It's so valuable to me just as a play by play broadcaster to watch the guys on a day in and day out basis, because if you're missing a six game road trip, you miss a lot. And it doesn't seem like much. But man, if you separate yourself from that competition, you're missing some growth. Could you just speak on some of the value that you gained covering this team so so closely and how much you're getting out of seeing these players play day in and day out?
2: Oh, it's huge. Uh, Going on the road especially is fantastic because you see guys that uh, you'll kind of send them away after a a Sunday homestand game and uh, you'll kind of send them away and say, all right, you know, we'll see you when you come back from the road and all that. But then all you can really do is, is follow the broadcasts from the other team or follow the stats, depends on where you're going. But uh, you know, all you can really do is just kind of watch from afar and see what the guys are doing. And there's really so much more that happens in a homestand, in a series with a team that you can't see in a box score, that you can't see in, in a recap. So it's the little things uh, that you can pick up on, whether it's a, a change in a swing or a change in a delivery, you know, it, it, these little things that happen. So. Really valuable to go on the road and kind of be there and be present. Um, I've always had a a mindset of of presence is so much more important uh, on a day-to-day basis and productivity. Yes, I can get things done um, wherever I'm at as far as getting my game notes done uh, and keeping my notes tabs open and uh, being in the know. But if I'm there and if I'm engaging in conversations and picking guys' brains and all that, I'm learning so much more and I'm able to give a better broadcast in and out every night.
3: Dan, I feel like earlier in the year, you know, when the, when the teams are kind of determined, I feel like a lot of guys are in extended spring training, like for a reason, right? And like the Canapolis team, I feel like it doesn't shift as much as maybe right now. What's it like covering a team right now in low A, like post-draft, post-trade deadline, where you just kind of know that there's lots of players that, you know, could be leaving and heading up to Winston or coming, you know, to you guys from rookie ball frequently?
2: Man, it's kind of hectic. Honestly, uh, this is the kind of hectic point in the year where you have guys moving up that uh, absolutely uh, deserve a call up based on the production that you've seen from them uh, over the season. But then, you are you know, like you're going to get some of these guys, um, you know, getting uh, example last week, Jacob Gonzalez and Calvin Harris, getting some of these newer guys in like it, it's fascinating and it's really fun to get the new guys rolling in. So as a broadcaster, I'm, I'm constantly keeping tabs on on the new guys um, even, I mean, the second that Jacob Gonzalez got drafted, the first thing I did was say, okay, I need to know, uh, some stats. I need to know some accolades. I need to kind of prepare myself to get this guy on my team. And, and you know, for some teams, it's an instance where, you know, they'll skip a uh, single A ball and they'll go to high A. So uh, it's just always staying prepared and, uh, and just kind of being one step ahead. Uh, it's always fun, uh, cause being, at this point in my career. And at this point being where I'm at, um, you know, all this is going on and post trade deadline, post draft, and you're seeing a lot of roster moves and all that. Oh, oh, and by the way, I start school back in two weeks. I'm still a student at uh, UNC Charlotte. So this is a absolutely hectic time. And uh, this is where I, uh, I I like to make my uh, make my, my talents shown. I like to say.
3: So Dan, you kind of took us there. I'll just stay there. So just a couple of the you know the picks in this most recent draft. Jacob Gonzalez, the first rounder, obviously out of Ole Miss. Another Ole Miss guy, Calvin Harris, the catcher, was round four, and then Eddie Park out of Stanford. They recently joined the team. I guess what are what are some of your early impressions of those guys?
2: Well, they arrived on Tuesday, a little bit before I did to uh, to the ballpark in Charleston. I uh, I got in and immediately started doing all the the studying and all that, and found out a lot about these guys uh, already more than I, I had just to stay prepared and. Uh, first thing that jumped out to me about Jacob Gonzalez, uh, just from seeing him play uh, for a few games with us, is, man, he is a mature hitter. He really brings a good approach to the plate, and he's looking for his pitch. He's very patient, um, doesn't draw walks. There's, there can be patient batters that don't draw walks. Sometimes you just hit the ball right to a, right to a, a fielder. So I think that's what I've seen from Jacob Gonzalez so far, is, is he's just kind of run into – an early stretch here with us of just kind of hitting the ball right to the fielders. Uh, He's flying out uh, opposite field. He kind of hits the ball opposite field really well. So that's just what I've seen so far from Jacob Gonzalez. He's on a three game hit streak right now. Um, He's kind of, you know, took a little bit of time in the start of the series and just kind of took, took it at his pace and he's starting to catch a little bit of fire. I mean, three games in a row getting on base for this team. Uh, has been very useful. Calvin Harris has easily been the most impressive of the three so far from what we've seen. Calvin Harris ended the series on Sunday with a three-hit day. Uh, he came through clutch for his first hit on, uh, on Thursday night, picked up a, a two-RBI single that kind of changed the tides of the game. Um, so Calvin Harris immediately has is, is kind of stepped into this lineup and, and produced big time. So he's been a guy that I've been impressed with, he finds ways to get on base. And then Eddie Park, very athletic lefty bat, um, kind of a guy that I'd heard a lot about um, from White Sox brass. just talking to guys and talking to reporters and scouts and all that. And they're they're all talking about Eddie Park and how hyped up this guy is. And and honestly, for a few games, I was sitting there going, hold, hold on a second, what's so, like, I almost kind of did a double take. I was like, is, is this the Eddie Park that they're talking about? Well, sure enough, uh, he's come through and he's immediately being placed into the top of our lineup and coming through big. So, Eddie Park definitely been a guy to get to watch.
3: One of the biggest storylines I think we've seen from Canapolis like as the season's developed obviously would be last year's first round pick. Just what's it like watching Noah Schultz pitch every week?
2: Oh man, he man, Noah is incredible. He is such a talent as a lefty pitcher. Finds ways to get guys out. Something that I I was caught off guard with the first time he stepped on that mound. His first start, he immediately made an effort and found ways to to use his fastball. His fastball, I'd, I'd heard it was 93, 94, moving around with that four seam. But he came in and he's. I asked him after his start, I said, hey, what are you using? And he said, no, I got a two seam. I was like, oh, OK, you got a two seam. All right, you're chilling with a, with a 96, 97 mile an hour fastball with movement on top of your you know low mid 80 slider that is, is breaking breaking planes at 3,000 RPM. He's disgusting with his slider. So Noah's been a a treat, man. Uh, He is a strikeout machine. Uh, It Turned in his his best start by far so far in the season. Four shutout innings, eight strikeouts. he, He really has only had one start where he's running into some trouble.
1: Sticking with Noah Schultz here, I just want to follow up quickly, Dan. When you watch him on the mound, what would you make of the efficiency in terms of strike throwing, his pace on the mound, the mechanics, some of the fluidity in his motion, just anything that you can break down in what you see? Yeah, he, he moves at his pace.
2: Uh, he knows his spots. He knows what to, what to do. Uh, he comes in with a very mature approach and does his thing, man. He, he really, again, he only has had that one bad outing. Uh, in which he gave up three homers in a row against the hot Carolina team uh, out of Milwaukee's organization that just kind of uh it just kind of torched us honestly on that that Saturday. But since then he's really come in and he's settled down. He looks a lot better. Definitely has the ace potential. You see it when you're watching him pitch, you see the ace potential. You see what he's working with. Uh last start I was impressed with his use of his changeup. Uh, used his changeup a lot more than he had to start. So um that's been impressive but I think as long as Noah continues to work on those those three pitches, he's got that 2C and that slider and that changeup and just finding a, a routine and just keeps studying up on some of these opponents, he's going to continue to be a, a really stud pitcher. He's definitely an, an ace in the future.
1: Yeah, that's great insight. Appreciate that. And I, I just want to stick to pitching here as I'm thinking about Peyton Paulette kind of Two different trajectories here. Peyton Paulette, older, obviously coming off Tommy John, didn't pitch last year. Now he's nearing 16s pitched uh, so far in Canapolis. I think that's a win. You want to see him pitch more. What do you know about Peyton Paulette and, and some expectations related to the amount of innings that he may end the season with?
2: Yeah, kind of the same. The three with Schultz and Paulette and our other righty pitcher Tanner McDougal, Those three have had a shorter leash than some of our other pitchers this year. Paulette, we expected it um, coming off of Tommy John. Shorter leash. He is only going to go four innings max in his starts. Um, really, he's on a he's on an innings limit, and he's kind of been kept on a short leash all season. But what he when he has been going out, he's been impressing. He had a start couple of weeks back against Columbia, where he struck out seven in four innings. He's been getting the strikeouts slowly but surely. He early on wasn't a guy that was getting too many strikeouts. He was kind of pitching to contact. But uh, honestly, Peyton is is someone that's come out. He's been doing the work. It's really just been one or two pitches that have done him in for a run or two. I mean, he's on a streak right now where. You're looking at he's given up runs in every outing since late May. Well, that's just mainly it's it's been he's been given up one bad pitch here, one bad pitch there. And the opponents are just kind of looking in the report. So Peyton's a guy that, uh, you know, he, he's going to continue to do what he does. Um, I really like the profile of a Walker Bueller, just the the 6'1", uh, righty. He's got a smooth delivery. He is He's got one of the smoothest deliveries I've ever seen. On a mound, um, it looks effortless every time you watch him pitch. He's so, really impressed with what Peyton's done. And his last few starts, he've, he's been very sharp. I think he's been getting the strikeouts up. So, uh, we'll see how much longer his leash gets. I'm not sure uh, how much longer he's got as far as um, going into games uh, for the rest of the season, but we'll see how much longer he can go. And, uh, you know, I think he's a guy that once his leash is, is to the fullest it can, uh, he'll move quickly through the system. He's a mature pitcher. Uh, obviously through college. So we'll see what Peyton can do.
3: Another guy that's just been a revelation is Mason Adams. You know, 13th rounder out of Jacksonville State last year. I I feel like, you know, he was doing the, the piggyback thing a little bit, but he was so good that he's also had starts. I mean, 77 innings pitched, you know, he's got a 336 ERA down there and he's averaging, you know, close to 11 Ks per nine. He's been just really good. What can you uh, tell us about Mason Adams and – you know, kind of maybe describe his stuff a little bit and just how he's done overall with the ballers.
2: Yeah. Mason's a guy that started the year out of the bullpen, working in that piggyback role, just kind of coming in to, to clean up after some of our guys with the shorter leash, such as a Paulette, a McDougal, et cetera, kind of as that, that two punch in a one, two combo. So Adams came in and his first start, uh, his first appearance, I should say, wasn't Great, kind of set the tone a little bit early on, but it's slowly but surely you see him chipping away out of the bullpen, just kind of working hard. And then he comes out in uh, on May fifth against Augusta. I still remember it because it was such a, that was such a great weekend in Canapolis. We had the alternate identity and everything. Just the the vibes were good in Canapolis. And and Mason comes out of the bullpen uh, after McDougal walked a bunch of guys, and it was. Kind of one of, those, one of those nights where it was just like, okay, here we go again. And Mason comes out and strikes out nine in four innings. And it was just fun to watch. Really good stuff for Mason. And then since then, he's done his thing, man. He comes in, kind of made some emergency starts here and there. Second game of a doubleheader start here. Um, we had a start a couple of weeks ago where Noah ended up uh, going down with an illness. So Mason came in and started for us. So it was just one of those things where he came in and kind of cleaned up. But then after the All-Star break came in and has been fantastic in the rotation, comes in. The only thing that's gone down since he's being a part of the rotation was his strikeouts. His last two appearances before the All-Star break, he struck out 11 in six innings and then 10 in five innings. He's the only baller to strike out double-digit guys in multiple starts this season. So uh, he's a strikeout guy, leads a team in Ks. Um, he will eat through innings. He's a mature arm, works a good fastball in the low to mid nineties. But his his changeup is really what I've been impressed with. It seems to catch guys off guard because it's not a big difference on that changeup. He's only ticking it maybe five or six miles an hour or slower. So Mason's been a guy that he knows what he is, and he kind of figures out what his pitches are to certain batters and uses it to their capability. He's a very uh, very mentally strong pitcher that has found success because of getting strikeouts. He just, he plans well. So Mason's been a very impressive arm for us for sure this season, especially with the versatility of the roles he's had.
0: There's no eye in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply need to hire, you need indeed.
3: couple more arms that I was going to ask about, you know, another guy that's in his first season, just what can you tell us about Shane Murphy? And then with that, you know, he mean as well as a guy I heard kind of a lot about, you know, after they'd signed him internationally and how he'd looked on the backfields in Arizona. And then now he's kind of in a relief role. So I guess like my question there is just, you know, what, what you've seen like with his stuff and then whether you'd actually like project him to kind of stay in that sort of like relief role or whether you think he could possibly start down the road.
2: Yeah. Shane Murphy guy that we had at the end of last season, kind of a tail end of last year, made a few appearances for us. Nothing to, he bit seven and a third innings uh, at the end of last season. So nothing really, Uh, to to go off of too strongly here. So his first full season here with us, four wins, four losses. Uh, You see the numbers. You you see what he can do. He's a strikeout guy, plays to a lot of the mid-90s fastball. Um, He's got that kind of looping, breaking ball as well. So he kind of plays off the two and he just finds ways to get through innings. He's not a guy that gets into situations on the mound a lot as far as a lot of runners on base. He doesn't let a lot of runners on base As of late, he's kind of struggled a little bit just with uh, uncharacteristically has let a few guys on. But a lot of that, I think, is the tough opponents we've we faced, honestly, a lot of very tough opponents as of late in the Carolina League. So just facing off against some tougher guys. So Murphy uh, has been kind of that anchor on the on the mound for us, kind of steady. You know what you're getting from him every night. You're going to get five innings or so. And he's going to impress. He's looked really good for us. Uh, You're talking about in He's a live wire on the mound, really, uh, kind of a, a skinnier guy and a young. He's 20 years old, and he just he just goes out and throws the ball. And I don't know how he just misses bats. He, he's just very impressive. None of the thing about his stuff, quite honestly, has blown me away. It's not like I, I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat watching Olasco. Obviously, I'm I'm on this edge of my seat for every night, but uh, I see Olasco come in out of the bullpen, 11 games. Uh, and he's just, he's dependable, man. He comes in and gets batters out. He plays to contact, not a huge strikeout guy, uh, but he, co- he gets through man, and he, he finds ways to, to get through. He's very good arm. I would say for, for an Alaska could see him stretch into a starting role. I think that would probably be the, uh, the way that uh, would be optimal. I don't know if I would see him in a short relief situation. Long relief is at this level, essentially just a piggyback. It, it, would mean that you're gonna get starting looks eventually. So I'd say Nalasco is is on the trail, so to say, of becoming a starter eventually
1: in the system. Yes. So we're gonna to get to the bats, I promise. But I got one more question about pitching. And it relates to a player that we brought up a little bit earlier and that's Tanner McDougal. And it reminds me of what the White Sox are doing with Peyton Paulette. You know, the thing that stands out, guys that the White Sox are monitoring and really taking it easy on in their first season, they're testing them. However, they're not pushing them to the point where they're hurting their development. And when you look at the numbers, 16, 17 starts is what jumps out to me because they're going out and making outings and they're healthy. They're pitching almost every time their name is called upon. So that's encouraging to me to see a guy like Tanner McDougal and Peyton Paulette respond to such significant injuries, both recovering from Tommy John You know, McDougal has a little bit more explosive stuff coming out of that delivery versus Paulette. But in similar ways, I believe this should be a win for them based on the production and the fact that they're pitching pretty much every five to seven days. When you're watching Tanner McDougal pitch, what would you evaluate his ceiling to be? So Tanner is a guy that his last few starts, just going off of
2: what he's done in the last few starts, uh, he really has gone out and he's put together the best outings of his career up to this point. He's still got such a high ceiling. Tanner is a guy with a very high ceiling and he's just what he's doing and what he's on the mound using his pitches. I mean, he's throwing 95, 96 with that fastball and his breaking balls are coming in 3000 RPM plus. It's got movement and you watch, behind the plate and you see the movement on the pitches it's disgusting. Tanner's got a very strong arm. Really like what I've seen from him as of late he's put together his best outings. Really the the start that I can sit here so far from the entire season of watching Tanner pitch and look back on and kind of summarize his season up to this point. 27th of July, it's a Game against Delmarva. four innings, four strikeouts, just the one walk. He really struggled with the walks early on. He was just not finding the zone. Seemed to getting, be getting a little wild on the mound. And he's since then he's come down and he's not let too many walks by. Again, just five in the month of July, two the other night against Charleston. Really has found his control a little bit better. Really, the only runs he allowed was on one swing of the bat. It was a home run from a Del Marva outfielder. So really other than one pitch and one swing mcdougall put together a great night and it's just been kind of soured by one swing of the bat on a home run from a from an opponent so that's kind of been the story of the season for mcdougall up to this point i would say has just been he's put together really good outings and when you look at the scorebook you look at the box score it looks a little worse than it is because of the one swing the one pitch and when i talked to tanner after after that start i said hey that was not a bad pitch and he said no that wasn't a Bad pitch at all. It was just he hit a good pitch and he hit it over the fence. It's just a good hitter. So Tanner is uh, he's facing off against opponents really well at this level of baseball. I think his development right now is on a great trajectory in the White Sox system. He's still so young. He's 20 years old, fifth round pick. Not a not a guy that I think is in a bad spot at all as far as a, a ceiling and as far as where I think he could project. Certainly could see him in in the rotation in Chicago at some point. Um, I think he's got that kind of a ceiling. Uh, I'm not sure if it's ace level, but certainly is a guy that I could see putting himself in the mix in Chicago eventually and, and becoming a dependable arm.
3: So we kind of said we'd get back to the position players. You know, one of the more interesting names, Brooks Baldwin was a 12th rounder. You know, last year, he's kind of, he spent a lot of time in low A. Do you see him as like the utility type that he was kind of billed as? Or what do you, what do you think his best position is?
2: Brooks has got the most playing time at third base. I would say that's his spot would be third base. Uh, he's been most comfortable there. That's just from what I've seen this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, you talked about it. his utility and his ability to play all around the diamond has been so valuable for this team uh, all season. He's been fantastic. He's been able to, you know, stick him in the outfield, stick him at second base, even played short a few times. There was even one day I, I can recall where there was a, there was a swap made in, And Baldwin played first and moved Willits to third, Bryce Willits, a third baseman uh, who can also play first. So one of those scenarios where Brooks just kind of sneaks in wherever he's needed and he comes in and does his job. He's a very dependable ball player. I I am not a guy that loves to make player comparisons, but I can't sit there and watch Brooks Baldwin and not think of Ben Zobris, the uh, the former switch hitter for Tampa Bay. And of course the, uh, the North siders up in the, uh, up in the Cubs. So, uh Zobris is a guy that, again, switch hitter, Baldwin switch hitter, both very similar just as far as approaches of the play. Baldwin's a guy that likes to hit line drives, likes to put the ball in play, definitely has the ability to get it over the fence. I mean, 10 home runs this season, uh, 39 RBI. He swipes bases. He's kind of that five tool guy with the power being the least of those, I would say. But the power will come through eventually. Uh, he's a line drive hitter, puts the ball into play and uses his speed. Uh, Another underrated part about Brooks is his base running finds ways to get on base. But then when he is there, he's the guy that probably dances the most on the base paths. I'd say like he's, he's toying with the pitcher and uh, he's, he's definitely keeping them off balance.
3: So the, you know, the white Sox recently made a trade. They traded some international bonus pool space to the Dodgers. And one of the guys they got in return, 20 year old right-handed pitcher, Aldrin Bautista. So, you know, originally the Dodgers had promoted him to low a, and now it looks like you know he he will be coming to you guys. What uh, what do you know about Batista that you can I guess share with us and the listeners?
2: Yeah, honestly, not a ton quite yet on uh, Mr. Batista. I know that he is for sure starting for us uh, one night this week coming up uh, whenever this goes out. Uh, more than likely, uh, he'll have already started. But uh, Mr. Aldrin Batista joining us again from the Dodgers organization. He showed up with the team on Sunday. Um, got kind of checked out and and looked at uh, by White Sox folks. And then he threw a bullpen uh, just prior to the game on Sunday, just kind of feeling out uh, where he's at as far as, uh, as far as his delivery and as far as his timing of when he can go. Uh, He is going to go for us this week uh, when we play down East at home, looking forward to seeing what he's got. Honestly, I am not sure what he's got. I'm just going to kind of take his first start and kind of sit there and, and take it all in. And I, I can assure you by the time that I'm back and I'm able to to give another little look in it, at Aldrin Batista, I can for sure tell you everything you want to know. But uh, at the moment, uh, not a ton. Other than he's uh, he's profiling to be a starter that will eat some innings for us. I mean, he's a high strikeout guy. led the complex league in K's. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what comes of him here at the uh, at the single A level.
3: Yeah, it's 54 strikeouts in 39 innings from the Arizona Complex League. So I think yeah, wh- one thing that you might see is, you know, punch outs. So that, that's interesting, at least.
1: Dan, you've been so generous with the time and the information. We really appreciate everything that you do, obviously covering the Chicago White Sox low-way affiliate in Canapolis. And we want to ask you a couple more questions. One about two players that you saw who are now participating in an advanced day in the White Sox system. That's Tim Elko and Jacob Burke. You can start anywhere, but those players really did dominate the league and their skill sets are different but it seemed like they were exceptional professionals at that level when you were able to watch him
2: absolutely Tim Elko we'll start with with Elko 10th uh, round pick guy that like, obviously came into the the level and was old for the level 24 um, he and I bonded almost immediately because we're both from the same hometown so it's it's really cool to to kind of catch up with each other on that and uh, and kind of build that connection but now Tim is incredible. At, on the field, you're not going to find a, a guy that's got better power. I don't think uh, he's been by far the most impressive power bat we've seen in Canapolis in, in, in a while. Uh, DJ Gladney last year put together a lot of homers, but um, I think Elko honestly is a guy that consistently is able to use his power more, even if it's not just for home runs, just hitting the ball hard with constant high exit velocities. Elko just impressed. He, he is a bat first guy. Very athletic at first base, very underrated defender. Played third base uh, up until he got to uh, up until he got to Ole Miss, and uh, then they transitioned him over to first base and DH'd him and all that. So uh, very athletic first baseman. He's got the experience in the infield uh, coming from third base. He knows what uh, he needs at first base as far as a throw from another infielder. He kind of knows how to be the captain of the infield no pun intended of course with his nickname but tim is a guy that is very mature uh knows baseball well knows the game in and out and uses his power uh to kind of dictate what opponents need to do with him at the plate you look at jacob burke burke is flashy as can be and he's appeared on sports center top 10 now twice uh just in the last calendar year it's kind of crazy but he's impressive man he is a he's kind of one of those uh those showboat kind of guys that i mean he backs it up he's a five tool guy he's got power hits the ball hard uh but his defense has been very very electric makes those crazy catches in center and, and he backs it up man he uh of course may had a kind of interview a couple of uh couple months back about, you know, I want to help a team out in Chicago. He's got that swagger about him and he really does. uh, He's a baseball guy, baseball mind. Uh, He is, he eats, sleeps and breathes baseball. And I think with that mentality, as long as he keeps it up in this system, he is going to go pretty far.
3: So Dan, last thing for me, thanks for all your time. You know, we talked about Schultz a ton. I guess I just had one more question. Just, you know, when he got there, I don't know if everybody knew what to expect, right? Just because you, you don't really know. You hear about the stuff he's pitching in Arizona, and then he's just been so good. Have you noticed like a buzz in ballparks and extra people there? Because I feel like every time Schultz starts, there's there's Baseball America or there's other people there. Can you Can you tell on the nights that he pitches?
2: definitely i think there's a little more buzz for sure um maybe not in the ballpark maybe uh just all around in general um you you hear about a lot more i mean when you when you open social media and you see happy noah schultz day uh on the days he's pitching i mean you're gonna get that um there's a lot more buzz online when whenever he's pitching for sure um i'm constantly getting reached out about about hey what day is he pitching i want to come see him You know, maybe not as far as like a a buzz in the ballpark necessarily, but for sure from getting reached out by by uh, baseball minds. And, uh, you know, you hear scouts coming in and and scouts will will talk to me and say, I had to come make sure I had to see Noah. So anytime you see a a six foot nine left handed pitcher uh, step on the mound, I think the fans in the ballpark will definitely take notice to that. And they'll go good night. That is a tall pitcher. And then you see what he does, and it's impressive. So uh, I think in the ballpark, it's kind of more that shock and awe. Of just like again, he's six foot nine and throws sidearm. Uh, and as far as off of the outside of the ballpark, online, it's it's definitely more hyped. It's unlike anything I've seen uh, in my short time in Canapolis for sure. Uh, other than maybe Colson Montgomery last year, but even then, I still think there's a little more buzz to uh, to Noah's start days for sure
1: last one for me Dan watching as many single a baseball games as you have you know obviously calling the games what are some of the things that stand out to you from professionals breaking into the scene for the first time so if you're seeing them maybe in August following their draft season you know as a college player they're coming off already a 60 game 70 game stretch and then they enter professional baseball for the first time following Brief time in the Arizona Complex League for the White Sox standpoint, uh, and just broadly in general, it doesn't have to be White Sox centric. Is there a common theme of players that you see participating in professional baseball for the first time that you can tell that is a struggle for them?
2: Yeah, I would say just on a general level, um, kind of the assimilation into the organization. Obviously, every organization has uh, their own protocols and their own guidelines and just kind of how we do things, quote unquote. Um I think every new draft pick and every new signee kind of goes through that, and you notice that a lot more, especially around this time of year, where it's you know a bunch of new guys arriving, and you know how do we do things, or oh, what time is the bus, or when do we go, when do we go to the gym, et cetera. So I think you definitely get that at a at a broader scale as far as just guys trying to figure out where they fit in in the organization. There's a little bit more of a tendency for those guys to be shy, um, as far as like I, you know I try to find. Opportunities to just kind of make small talk. Uh, honestly, as a broadcaster, part of part of being a good broadcaster is um, hearing the stories from your players so that you can share some of those stories on air. And you know, I find those little ways to um, to kind of to kind of get them out from uh, under, out of their shell and just kind of figure out um, who they are, not just as baseball players but as people. Um, because I mean, in reality, these guys are, are so much more than just the uh, the guys that uh, wear the hats and throw the balls. So. In reality, it's just the guys need to find ways to fit into the organization. That goes for all 30 organizations. And they use that little time, whatever they have in the complex league or in single A or even high A with some of these new draft picks. They're just using this time to find their way to to fit in and then uh, set themselves up for a good off season this year. Work into spring training next year and then uh, hit the ground running next season with their full first full year.
1: Dan Alodia, of the Canapolis Cannonballers, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate the insight. Absolutely, man. Have a blast. Dan taking the time on his day off before getting ready for the rest of the season in single A. So it's exciting to see the players who will be promoted to advanced A and also those who are going to go from the Arizona Complex League to professional baseball full season. A lot of professionals experiencing their first taste of single a baseball this year. And Dan gets to see a lot of it and top 30 prospects. If you're looking at the list on futuresox.com, so many of them had success in Kannapolis. And that's something to be excited about. We release episodes of the future socks podcast every Tuesday for Dan Alodi and James Fox. My name is Mike Rankin. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next week.